in Tavshmir Beis 1952, which had a set, similar setup to this year, where Parshas Yatsukude was on um, the Shabbos of last the month of Nisan. Let's go right to it. In Parshas Achedesh, it says the mitzvah of eating matzah. Seven days matzah shall be eaten. This mitzvah is unique that nowadays, too, this mitzvah is a biblical one. In general, there are three major components from Passover. There's a mitzvah of Paschal lamb, there's a mitzvah of eating matzah, and the mitzvah of eating mara. Nowadays, until Mashiach comes, they come immediately. The mitzvah of the Paschal lamb is only fulfilled by our lips. Our lips take the place of the bulls, says the Torah. The Shampram says, we can't actually bring the Paschal lamb. The mitzvah of mara today is only rabbinic. It used to be a biblical commandment, but today it's only rabbinic because since it's not offered together with the Paschal Lamb, so it's not considered, according to many opinions, a biblical commandment today. And mitzvah eating matzah is biblical, even today. Because it's not dependent on the Kohen. Right. The difference between matzah and chametz is in two things. Chametz, it rises. But in matzah, the dough remains the way it is, and what that means spiritually is chametz is about arrogance and matzah is about self-abnegation. And that's the reason why matzah is called um, lechem oni, the poor man's bread. You're allowed to have on Passover also matzah bread. Not our custom to uh, dip the matzah in other liquids, but it's technically kosher to have that's a hider we have. We, we do something beyond the law, what the law requires. But you're allowed to um, have on matzah, matzah together with other uh, other things, not just pure matzah, a lot of matzah with everything else. It's called rich matzah. But you cannot do the mitzvah of uh, eating matzah on night of Passover with the rich matzah, matzah with additives, matzah with uh, anything else, only matzah zero, if you will. Only pure, poor man's bread matzah with, with flour and water is kosher for the mitzvah of matzah. Why? Because the mitzvah of matzah is about bittel. It's about devotion to Hashem, about self-abnegation, about humility. And this is expressed specifically by the poor man's bread. The matzah that our forefathers ate in Egypt was also poor man's bread. So that's one difference between matzah and chametz. Matzah is about arrogance, and matzah, chametz is about arrogance, rather, and matzah is about humility. A second difference between matzah and chametz, they're basically the same letters. They both have a mem and a tzaddik. The difference between matzah and chametz is that chametz has a letter ches, and matzah has a letter he. What's the difference between a he and a ches? They're also very similar. A he and a ches are very similar. They're both made of three different lines, and they're both open on bottom. The difference between them is that in the letter Ches, there is a complete closure on top from all three sides, but in the letter He, there is a little opening on top. The opening on the bottom of both letters, both the Ches and the He, is indicative of the truth that Hashem told Cain, sin crouches at the door, that there is, that there is a temptation at the door. It's, it's, it's very possible to fall down. That's the meaning of the openness of the ches and the hay in the bottom. But the idea of the ches being closed on top, what that means is 
that there's no room to escape the sin that's crouching on the door. In the letter Ches, there's no way out. The opening, on the other hand, in the letter Hey, indicates that although a person may be in a, sin, in a situation where sin crouches at the door, but yet there is an opening on top. He's able to escape from where he is and he's able to do true. And although there's only a small opening in the letter Hey up on, on top, however, our sages say, Hashem says, open up for me the size of an eye of a needle, and through this, Hashem says, I'll open up for you like the entrance of the Ulam, like the entrance of the inner sanctum of the temple, which was a huge entrance. So the small entrance, the letter Hey, means that you make the tiniest opening, Hashem says, and we'll go places. This, I'll, I'll open this far more. What is the meaning of the small opening? Nebuchadnezzar says here, different than we learned in another discourse, another meaning of the small opening. The meaning of the small opening is that through one thought of tshuva, one thought of tshuva a person can change in one moment from being absolutely wicked to becoming absolutely righteous. That's the meaning of the, of the small opening letter hey, the tiniest moment is able to completely change you instantaneously. These two differences between the chametz and the matzah, again, the matzah is about humility, and chametz is about arrogance. Then in chametz, in the letter ches, there's no way to escape. In the letter hey, there is a way to go up. These two differences between them are dependent on each other. When a person is in a state of humility, when he is like a matzah, even if he has made a mistake, he thinks about doing shuvah. That's the idea of the letter hey, this room to, to become better. He thinks about becoming better. When a person is arrogant, when a person is like Chometz, he does not think about doing tshuva. He is like the letter Ches. There's no room to get better because he has reached a state where there is um, there's no way out. And that's the reason that when a person has humility, he doesn't try to justify himself. And automatically, he makes an honest accounting of all of his deeds. And when he discovers that his behavior is not the way it's meant to be, he does tshuva. When a person has humility, so he doesn't try to justify himself, he tries to really know what's going on, and then he fixes it. On the other hand, when he has arrogance, he finds all kinds of ways to justify his, his behavior. Therefore, there's no room to escape when, you are, when you're all chest up. You're all chesi, and you're, you're thinking about how great you are, so there's, there's no room to get better, because you, you, you won't be honest with yourself, and you're just going to keep on doing what you're, what you're doing. Further, not only do you justify a mistake that you've made in the past, because you want to remain justified in your own eyes, but even more, even before you've made any mistake, when there is a situation where there's a mitzvah requires you to bend your head, there's a mitzvah... So, when you're in a situation where there's a mitzvah that requires you to requires you to lower your head, requires you to exert yourself, that's not comfortable. So if you're in a situ- if you have a feeling of arrogance, you find all kinds of reasons and explanations of why you shouldn't need to do it. For example, tzedakah. Tzedakah is a general mitzvah. And from Tzedakah, we can understand for all other mitzvahs. A person sees someone who's poor, he says to himself, hey, the same thing that Tunis... There's, 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 there's two parts of what Tunis Rufus was saying. One part of it was, because of his arrogance, because of his own exaltedness, 
he makes a calculation and he says to himself that whatever money he has is because he deserves it. And not only does he deserve it, he deserves more. And so he says, how am I supposed to give to others? That's an underlying point in Tunis Rufus' statement. If your God loves the poor, let him feed them. Why should I? I deserve what I have. I deserve even more. And since his arrogance does not leave room for the existence of others, so his opinion about himself, about what he deserves, is resonates with him in a very schmack way. It makes full sense to him, and he's full sense to him, and he's very he owns it. He he he, he it's his his paradigm, his way of thinking, is something that he um, particularly is proud of. It makes sense to him. He enjoys this opinion. He, he's able to uh, to live with this. He says the other guy is not like me, and it's understood the reason that this person is poor is because. He deserve, doesn't deserve to have more. And automatically you think, since Hashem wants, as Hashem wants what's justified, therefore He gave me because I deserve. He didn't give Him because He doesn't deserve. So He says, why should I therefore give Him money? He doesn't deserve. I do deserve. And that's why He doesn't have. That's why I do have. It, it's, it's sort of like um, Darwin, um, Darwin uh, social Darwinism, except it's built on faith. Survival of the fittest, because that's how Hashem made it. This is, this is justified. However, that's when a person's arrogant. However, when a person has humility, so then number one, he makes a real calculation about himself. Am I really better than the other person? And this calculation about himself motivates him to be kind. As it says in the Torah, you have made justice and kindness and charity in Yaakov. Chassidus explains that when you judge yourself and you ask yourself, do I really deserve that motivates you to give to be kind and to give charity. What causes you to give tzedakah when you judge yourself? You say, do I really deserve more than the other person? And when you come make an honest calculation, you discover that you're not so deserving of what you have, and you discover Hashem's kindness to you, so that makes you give um, a lot more. You say to yourself, do I deserve that? And, and you, you don't just give the bare minimum. You say, this says elsewhere, the idea of mishpah tzedakah means that you judge yourself and you say, what, what do I really need? And the rest, you get stuck. Don't just give the bare minimum 10% or 20%. You make a judgment to yourself, do I really need this? And, and, and the rest, you get stuck. That's, that's it says, elsewhere. But here, that just points to the, to the idea of how what makes you, motiv- makes you motivated to give charity at all is by judging yourself honestly and, not, and discovering that you're not really better than everybody else. Number two, even if the other person has not received Hashem's blessing for abundance because of he's being punished, Hashem preserve us. The fact that you do have parnasa, despite the fact that you aren't in the best spiritual standing, that forces us to say that Hashem's treatment of the Jewish people are like, he treats them like children. And when a, ch- when a king punishes one son, and the friend of the king goes and saves that son and helps that son, the king himself is happy. As Rukiva told the Tunis Rufus, if the king put his own son in the dungeon, someone else would go to the dungeon and feed his son, the king would be very happy. So the fact that you see that you do have what to eat, and uh, despite the fact that you have your own, own faults, that forces you to say that Hashem is treating us like children, and therefore, if he has a child who is... Not the way um, he is. Uh, he's not. He, he is 
Hashem, even if he is being punished, he will be, Hashem will be very happy when Hashem will, someone take care of his, his his son that's being punished. And that's just a, so, so we see again how arrogance not only does it prevent us from doing tshuva, which we justify ourselves and make mistakes, but for, more arrogance prevents us from doing mitzvahs. Arrogance prevents us from giving staka, and arrogance prevents us from doing any mitzvah that requires us to um, to to push us to, to be uncomfortable. You always find a reason why, no, you don't need to be uncomfortable. It's okay the way you are. Um, besides the fact that when you have arrogance, you, um, besides the fact that, that arrogance motivates you to always find a justification in your behavior, even more, even if you cannot find any justification for your behavior, and you have to acknowledge that your behavior wasn't the way it's meant to be, Nevertheless, you find excuses about what different, different causes that made this happen to you. Do so you still remain justified in your eyes because you find you, you have different claims to justify how this happened to you? For one thing, you say, that was the Eight Sahara. My Eight Sahara is like a fire. What do you want? Um, Hashem himself says that he regrets creating the Eight Sahara. So you can't ask me how come I didn't be victorious of the Eight Sahara. For another thing, the guy, this guy says, it was my place, you know where I live, you know what kind of place I'm in. So everything, he doesn't actually, um, he may make knowledge, he made a mistake, but he finds an excuse of why he made a mistake. It was the Yitzhahara, it was a circumstance, it was the place he lives. All of these calculations are mentioned in Tanya. And the author uses all these calculations to give us a perspective how to judge others but all the things that Tanya says we're meant to use to judge others Tanya says don't judge someone else until you're in their circumstances and therefore you should always find merit in others but instead of using those those arguments that Tanya brings to find justice and to, 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 to find good in others he's using all the arguments of Tanya to defend himself and not only that he thinks about himself that he's actually a, a very beautiful Jew and another person in his circumstances, who knows how they would be in, their, in his circumstances, even more. Even when he discovers that his behavior is not the way it's supposed to be, and more, he has no reasons that he can justify himself about why this happened, why he acted this way, what is the Torah saying? All faults are covered by self-love. The words the Gemara uses for faults or rather, Proverbs, King Solomon uses for faults, are pshayim. Pshayim refers to a specific kind of fault. It's a fault that is not just an accident or a sin done on purpose, something that's done to rebel against Hashem. That means even he has no justification for himself. He is rebelling against Hashem. Nevertheless, his love for himself causes him to, although he can't find any reason to justify these mistakes, Nevertheless, uh, he, he, can't, he can't lie and, and say, this is why this happened, this is why this happened. That yet he covers them. He'll have to sweep them under the rug because of his love for himself. And that is the difference between Chometz and Matzah. Chometz is about arrogance. And that's why Chometz has an entrance on the bottom because sin crouches at the door. On the other hand, Chometz has the letter Ches, which the letter Ches has no opening on top. There's no way to do tshuva if there's a state of arrogance because, number one, with arrogance, you justify your behavior, you say your behavior is good. 
Number two, you find all kinds of excuses of why you may have behaved in the wrong way. Number three, even if you can't find any excuse, you still are able to sweep it under the rug because of your self-love. On the other hand, matzah, matzah indicates bittel, matzah indicates humility, and as a result of humility, that's why matzah has letter hey, hell hey has an opening on the top. Number one, you don't justify yourself. Number two, you don't find, you don't justify your behavior. Number two, you don't find excuses for your behavior. And number three, when you see that things aren't the way they're meant to be, you become broken because of this, because you know you're meant to back differently, and you're bothers you're meant to back differently, and you're bothers you. And when you have a broken heart, Rebbe Marash says, a Jewish sigh is tshuva ilah. Jewish sigh is a high level of tshuva. So in one hour, the word hour also means to turn, with one turn, he becomes a perfectly righteous tzaddik. Because he's a matzah, because he realizes his deficiencies, and he doesn't justify them, so he's able to transform himself with ain care with one turn. According to this, we can explain what the Gemara Yushami says. The Gemara Yushami says that um, we learn the forty, the thirty-nine malachas, the thirty-nine things that are forbidden on Shabbos. We learn this from um, the words Eile Hadvarim. Eile, and this means this Torah portion begins with, these are the things that Hashem has commanded you, and the word Ela refers to the 39 Malachas. Why is it referred to 39 Malachas? Aleph is 1, Lamed is 30, Ches is 8. What do you mean Ches is 8? It doesn't say Ches, it says hey. So where it says, our sages do not have an issue with exchanging a Ches for a hey. So we're therefore going to turn the Ches into a, into a, the hey into a Ches, and we're going to, I'm going to have the number of Ela as 39. The question is, it's true, and the justification for exchanging these two letters is because the ches and the hey both come from the same part of the mouth. Aleph, ches, hey, and ayin all come from the same part of the mouth, and therefore they can be exchanged. Where does the ches come from? It comes from the palate, right? And the hey comes also from the palate. Therefore they can be exchanged. But the question is, the, the, it's true you could exchange the ches for the hey to to uh, create a different word. But here we're looking at the number of the word, the number of the letter. How are you supposed to exchange the ches for the hey regarding the number? We want to get to the number 39 to, to, to prove that there are 39 things that you're forbidden to do on Shabbos. How are you switching a ches for a hey, not just for the meaning of the word, but for the number of the word? So according to what we said, tell them we could explain this. What are, the, what are the 39 things that are forbidden to do on Shabbos? Those are the 39 things Hashem tells us that we can do and we're meant to do during the week. These are the 39 things that are done in the world. So the 39 things that are done in the world represents all of human activity. All of human activity, the way Hashem created it, it is naturally a ches. Hashem made the world in a way that all of activity is in a ches-like state. Uh, However, by a Jew serving Hashem, and making a tabernacle, as the Torah discusses in this week's Torah portion, six days work shall be done, he's able to turn us into a hay. What's I'm referring to? In this, um, I never gave a discourse that we discussed on Shabbos, um, that when you work during the week, you're not supposed to feel that you're doing the work, you're supposed to feel the truth 
that all you're doing is just making a vessel for Hashem's blessings. So when your involvement in the world is in a way of six days work shall be done, but you don't feel that you're the guy who's doing this, and you feel that Hashem is the one who's helping you do this, so then instead of you feeling arrogant about all your achievements in the world, then you, you transform the chas into a hey. What makes your activity in the world, what makes you, that was saying something very, to me, it sounds very, very, um, very practical. A lot of people who are engaged in various professions, they, um, they look at their professions as, as self-fulfillment. As, as self like, like, this is how I'm fulfilled, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm good at, and I'm proud of what I'm good at. And that makes it more chesed. So the Rebbe says, if however you feel that all you're doing is just making a vessel for Hashem's blessing, then you don't get chesed about what the things that you're doing. On the contrary, you're able to turn your chesed into a hay. And uh, therefore, from this verse, we are able to derive the 39 malachas, um, as the 39 malachas are in the Mishkan, as they are done in a holy way, so then they are done in the way of a hay. However, if the 39 malachas are done as a sense of um, self-aggrandizement, the, the, the way they are naturally, they are more, cha- more chassi. Well, let me say this in one sentence, and I'll go straight to the dafim. My activity in the world, my business, my profession, what is it naturally? Is it more of a chas kind of activity or more of a hay kind of activity? So there are the 39 malachas that are done in the world. The way I naturally, the way Hashem has created me, the way my natural activity in the world is, it's more of a ches kind of an activity, something which I find pride in. I'm, I'm involved in the world, and I feel that I'm doing something, it's me, it's all about how I'm doing it, and therefore it's more of a ches. However, the, in the tabernacle, if I do it in a holy way, if I do it the way Hashem wants me to do it, I, and I feel that what I'm doing is just making, making a vessel for Hashem's blessings, and I'm not really doing anything, Hashem is the one who's providing everything, so then my activity in the world becomes a hey. And therefore, it's uh, it's it, it, it's uh, equal to uh, the, the, those words are equal to thirty nine uh, naturally because the simple translation of the word of the, of the verse is about our activity in the world. However, they can become a hey if they become the activity in the Mishkan if they're done in a holy way where you feel it's not you and it's him. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim. Just so I think why the farmers are closest to everybody.